Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey there, White Sox fans. I'm Brett Valentini. I'm hosting the Southside Sox Mothership Podcast. It's number 48. We might start subtitling this one, the Indianapolis Side Podcast. That might just be the Mothership Podcast, because basically every time we do a Mothership Podcast, we've got the Indianapolis Field Office in the house. It's Crystal O'Keefe, who is not yet employed somehow, not yet employed by the Chicago White Sox and Super Joseph Reese's, as far as I know, has not just casually fallen out of bed and and, and solved a Sox math puzzler in the last week. Uh, but I could be wrong, so he may correct me there. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, Indianapolis, for joining once again. Uh, Indianapolis um, Chamber of Commerce, we are available for sponsorship. Give us a call. <laughs> hey, guys, what's happening in Indianapolis these days? Good stuff. Just chilling, doing some scoreboard watching and enjoying seeing all of the people enjoying the stadium again. And that is pretty exciting. And you are correct. I have not won since eight days ago when I had that random win mixed in there. Okay. All right. Well, clear the cobwebs, Joseph. It is time (laughs) for you to uh, um, let's just dominate Soxmath again. Need to take some more walks. Yeah, that's true. Get out there. Get out there. Hit the street. Uh, okay, well, uh, yeah, speaking of, we are recording during the beginning of the White Sox homestand, uh, starting a series against, uh, a very winnable series against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, technically, every seat in the house could be sold. Uh, it does look like a nice crowd out there tonight. So far, probably happy just to be at the park because not a lot of good things are happening at this point. We are going to try to curse this game at this point because everything we say about how badly they're playing so far tonight will be reversed and will be laughed at tomorrow morning when this publishes when it turns out the White Sox won 
11 to 3. So let's think that way. Let's think positively. But let's begin this relatively hit and run mothership podcast with just a little discussion of the offense because while a lot of people are missing from the offense obviously we know about the injury rows of the white Sox. uh there are considerable anchor players still healthy have been healthy all year and this offense is simply not producing against uh opponents now in a we're in a stretch now where they need to be producing uh splitting in pittsburgh not great okay uh starting out half the start of a homestand against seattle scoring one run not great and not promising. Uh, can either one of you guys talk me off the ledge on this offense at the moment? I can't. When your best batter is your catcher or a rookie, um, you're in danger, girl. What are you doing? Like, Yasmani Grandal can't carry the team on his back. He has other responsibilities. No one else is hitting the ball. Jose Abreu is, I don't know, maybe dead. Like, yeah. He's playing technically, but I'm not sure that he's uh, alive right now. He might be angling to beat you to the uh, scout uh, seat. Uh, what, what were we calling it? Uh, well, you know, um, well, death, death in the scout seats. Right That's now, always, it's a statue. Yeah, his offense is sort of, yeah, right. Yes, uh, most of us think Jose Abreu might be the next statue in Sox Park. He might actually be posing for it right now. Uh, Joseph, um, something bright to speak of on this offense? Well, yeah, I, right now they're just kind of having that negative contagion that Ken Harrelson used to speak <laughs> about sometimes, you know, when a couple of players on a team are struggling, sometimes the rest of the team follows and um, that's kind of, they, they just kind of have that going on right now. And um, yeah, just a lot of players are cold at the same time and you know, it's, it's not fun to, to watch right now. Um uh, it's just a matter of, you know, when they'll break out of it. And yeah, I'm, yeah, the optimistic part of it is that I feel like they will break out of it relatively soon, but yeah, for the past you know, week or so, it definitely hasn't been a good time averaging just a little bit North of two runs a game or so in the, in the past week, just, yeah, that just won't get the job done. The time to break out of it will be now. And mm-hmm. this is going to be the second half of our program, but we have some very weak teams coming up, including mayors who I know came in hot. I know have some starters, including the guy throwing tonight, but you're at home. You got to be jacked in front of this crowd. And this is what you come out doing. I know everybody's quick to say, Hey, you know, there are a lot of injuries. Of course there are a lot of injuries, no doubt. And what team can withstand that? I mean, the White Sox have been particularly snake bit, strangely imbalanced. Their offense has been killed. Their pitching has been fairly (laughs) intact uh, in that, you know, my goodness, they've ran out. Technically, they've really run only run out five starters uh, all season. We're getting pretty close. I think we're about 45% through the season. Um, but the thing that you can't overlook is that there are core starters in this lineup. And, uh, you know, as um, uh, uh, Crystal very, very colorfully uh, depicted there, Jose Abreu is, is playing not like the MVP. Yoan Mankata is still producing offensively by and large. His defense has gotten a little lost. Uh, Tim Anderson, steady, um, not not breakout. Uh, Andrew Vaughn can hit against left-handers. Yasmani Grandal can't pitch hit every game. I mean, it's great that he comes through in the clutch with a big hit when he's pinch hitting, but you know he's starting tonight and he's the only guy so far producing. Uh, I understand this team is very weakened offensively, but clearly 
we have to be able to depend on these core guys to to raise the rest of the lineup up. Joe, you seem to be thinking that that is what's going to happen, but if it doesn't, there's a lot of danger for this team. Yes, it has been interesting to kind of see that disparity, like you said, about how the injuries have taken their toll. Um, you know, obviously the pitchers have been lucky, like you said, um, but uh, yeah, it's just been very, um, yeah, it's it's a little bit disheartening to to see the starting lineups being constructed the way they are. And, you know, this is a situation where like, you know, I'd like to throw the blame at Larusa a lot of the time, but I can't really blame him for a lot of the lineups because he's doing just about as, as much as he can with um, the players who are active right now. Um, yeah. I think a Bray would be a, a major source of, of offense that they're just really missing lately. Um, his OPS is only at 750 as I speak right now, which is just a tad above league average. And, you know, for a, a player who you know, won MVP last year, um, and is just a has been a pretty big home. Um, they're just not getting quite enough from him, um, and it's especially especially in, in in the past couple of weeks here. Um, but um, yeah, Anderson, I, I do have a feeling that he'll recover. Like Frank Thomas was, ta- he had a good time talking about you know what Anderson could do to improve and break out of his little funk, which is you know be happier taking the ball to right field more um, you know, don't try and force yourself to pull, pull the ball. Um, and I think that's, yeah, he, he may have been onto something there with, you know, Anderson's recent slumping due to him kind of forcing himself to pull the ball. Um, and uh, hopefully that is um, an adjustment that he can make because, you know, he was, he had a big a big hot streak earlier in the season where he's, and it just hasn't been sustainable but um yeah it, it would be nice to see him re- return to form with with how big of a a catalyst that he has been for this team in the past couple of years. Crystal what's scary to me is the White Sox is not to say they only have so many great starts in them because this Starting rotation has been by and large lights out. And uh, even with the changes in the, the sticky tag, the spider tag, the mucus goop, whatever they've been using, uh, it seems like that's affecting uh, Dylan Cease, maybe Lance Lynn, uh, Rodon early on. It doesn't look like it's he skipped the beat, uh, missed a beat. The, um, but the problem is uh, you might only have so many quality starts, so many great starts. And of course, there's injury that hasn't even hit um, uh, this rotation anyway. And you don't ever want to be burning like what is happening at the moment with Rodon putting out a pretty nice start and the offense not backing him. We're seeing more and more of those games. You sort of, you want that stuff in sync. Uh, you know, you want every loss you have to be by 10 runs to get all those out of your system and then just, you know, win everything else. And right now there's an imbalance where the offense is sort of wasting opportunities that the pitching staff is giving them. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you can't hit, you can't play defense. You're doing absolutely nothing for your starting pitcher. You would think Carlos has had almost a lights out season. He's, he's been incredibly steady, but no one at all feels the need to help him. And I can't, I I can't imagine what that's doing to the starting pitchers. I mean, we've noticed Dylan, like you said, in a bit of a slump and people claim Lance Lynn, but I don't know. I don't see that one as much, but 
I mean, I wish there was a solution, but the bats are just not waking up at any point. And I don't know. I don't, <laughs> it's just so, just so frustrating to watch yeah. this. Nobody's giving any run support and they're playing like little league kids right now. Like the fielding I was just watching earlier, like my 10 year old could field the ball better. I was going to say, you have extensive scouting experience this season specifically on the little league and actually great little league play. So some positions in the White Sox right now might not even be measuring up. I'm just going to guess that maybe they aren't. <laughs> they're not. If you hit it down third base, you're, they're going to fumble it somehow. So, uh-huh. uh, All right, let's take a quick break. And uh, we're going to talk about the schedule a little bit coming out of that break. We will be right back with podcast number 48 in just a second. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey there. The second has passed. We are back with the second half of the Southside Sox podcast, number 48. I'm here with the entirety of the Indianapolis field office for Southside Sox. It is Crystal, a.k.a. Cheryl O'Keefe and Super Joseph Reese's somehow finding time in their schedules to take time out. Central time zone, not representing. Lame. Okay. Anyway, coming out of the break, let's just, let's reset here. The winning percentage wise, the White Sox are on track, not taking into uh, account tonight's result because we don't have it yet. Even though we are in Eastern time, we haven't time traveled that far ahead. Uh, 96 wins. I'm pace for 96 wins. If you look at it in terms of run differential, which has taken a hit with the White Sox, they're still on pace, I believe for 101 wins. Uh, they are still on pace to win the uh, division, whether you look at winning percentage uh, or you project run differential by a comfortable margin. I want to say still roughly about 20 games. Uh, just two up on Cleveland, but Cleveland. Uh, but of course, the White Sox have taken a little bit of a tumble. Uh, I think at least going into action uh, yesterday, they were fourth in the AL, seventh in Major League Baseball. And it just seems like a sneeze ago, they were the best team in baseball. Uh, so they have taken a tumble as they had the tail end of that really rough run, obviously ending with the uh, sweep in Houston. Uh, now, let's talk here in the second half about what really is the best opportunity for the White Sox to get a little fat, run up some wins. Uh, it really would have started with the Pittsburgh series, which, of course, is in the rearview mirror. That would be 18 games leading up to the All-Star break. We've got a couple series against the Twins. We're playing the Mariners beginning that homestand series tonight. Uh, and then playing the Twins. That's it for home games in the first half. Then there's three series going to the All-Star break again. Twins once more, Tigers, Orioles. Those are winnable games. And I guess let's start out here, uh, because of course you guys agree with that, but tell me this. Uh, Obviously we know a split in the 18 games, so let's just call it the 16 games beginning tonight as we play. How many games do we need to expect the White Sox to win of these 16 games to feel good about the stretch into the All-Star break and the fact that they took advantage of what is is probably the weakest remaining portion of their schedule? I would say if they can't win like 14 of those games, then I'll have hope. I mean, you were playing the Tigers 
And what have the twins done this season? Like twins, Ted is spiraling into a deep, (laughs) dark depression right now, probably. So if you can't beat the easiest teams in the league, what are you doing? And why do you deserve to go to the postseason? Because you're not going to get the Tigers in the postseason. (laughs) Twins Ted is probably watching old Timberwolves footage or something. He's that desperate uh, because bad things keep happening to the Twins. Uh, Joe, uh, Crystal picks a pretty aggressive 14 wins. I won't necessarily put that high an expectation on them, but where's your thinking at in order to truly take advantage of what is what should be a great momentum kick into the all-star break and really a necessary uh, big, big bunch of wins that they're going to need? I think 10 would be plenty in, in my opinion. I have lower standards, um, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, 10 and six would I mean, if you win 10 out of every 16 games, granted, this is an easy part of the schedule, like you said, but that's, if you do that every time, that's a 101 win pace. And while these are weak opponents, baseball is very random. um, And I, um, with just how frequently underdogs beat um, favorites, you know, in, um, in just, you know, random regular season matchups, I I, I, my expectations aren't that high as far as how many wins I would um, really want to see from them in this upcoming stretch. Um, but I, in my opinion, 10 and six, that'd be a solid stretch. Um, that would mean that they would go four games more above 500 and they're already 14 above right now. Um, and yeah, from here on out, if they go like um, roughly, 60% against, you know, sub 500 teams and even, you know, 45 to 50% against above 500 teams, they'll, they should be able to hold on to the central if, if they, if they maintain that clip roughly. That's super Joe Reese's uh, surprising Saxmath champion and surprising apologist for uh, the likes of the Orioles twins Tigers and Mares, you surprised me there, Joe. Okay, I'm going to split the difference because I think it's realistic. Uh, 12, I think it's still even aggressive, but I'm going to say 12, but I say 11, 12 would make me comfortable because you got to beat these patsies. It is a rough stretch coming out there. Yeah, there's some Royals sprinkled in there. I think the Twins come up again because Lord knows we got to play them 800 more times this season, but there's a lot of, and, and certainly teams are playing well now or seem like they're good now. Boston could be nowhere by September when we finally play them, but there's a stretch solid from July really until we play Pittsburgh again. I think the last day of August, that's rough because even Kansas city, they're just nuts. They're, they're, they're creepy. They're scary. They're going to throw at our players or the, so they're going to, they're going to uh, poison the food in the club, but they're going to do something weird. Something's going to happen with Kansas city because they're, 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 they're ugly. They're nasty. Um, so, okay, let's just twist it here then. And of course this depends on really how Cleveland plays as well. And I don't really have their schedule up. I don't care about Cleveland uh, and their nasty mascot, but how many games are you comfortable with the White Sox? They're up to, I believe going into play tonight, how uh, taking advantage of this stretch, no matter how Cleveland plays, let's just assume they play like Cleveland plays, whatever they got nobody to pitch anymore, but uh, where do you want to see the White Sox? Obviously in first place, what kind of pad do they need? Do they need to push it up to about five games of the all-star break for to feel sort of good about exploiting this? Uh, do we need them to be a, a little bit more in first place or are, are they okay now? Cause first place, first place doesn't matter if you can buy two games or 20 games. Yeah. 
Well, they have eight games left against Cleveland this season. Um, I think those are the ones that I'm, the games that I'm most um, interested in seeing for the latter portion of the season, especially that there's a five-game series um, in September because there's a doubleheader and three other games uh, mixed in there. So that'll a lot. There'll probably be a lot of stake there. Um, but um, for I, to me, as long, if they are able to expand on that two-game lead at all prior to the All-Star break, I would feel like you know, that's a, a pretty good spot to, to be in. Um, if, if they have a three-game lead entering the All-Star break, um, that's, you know, that's more than I would have expected entering the season, certainly. Um, and they're a mile ahead of Minnesota still, so... Um, with Minnesota being nowhere to be seen is a positive development that I, I don't take for granted at all. Um, so, um, yeah, it, three games would make me feel happy entering entering the All-Star break, okay. especially okay. with how many more chances they have okay. against Cleveland. All right, that's Joe Reese's the soft pillow on which the lousy White Sox can rest their sleepy heads. Okay, uh, Crystal, what do you need to see from the White Sox uh, at the All-Star break in terms of games behind? How far do we need to bury Cleveland? I kind of agree with Joe on this, actually, uh, with the whole – I would feel comfortable being up about three games because I feel like their division is just cake. I'm not worried about this one at all. Um, if they're in first place by then and they're up a couple games, I will be content, even though I just said they need to win 14 or they're amateurs. <laughs> but, I mean, this division – It's a confusing time. Me. I admit, it's a yeah. confusing time. This this division doesn't scare me. It's playing like better teams. That's <laughs> Cleveland sucks. Minnesota sucks. I'm good. Well, uh, we will check back in when, oh, I don't know, the White Sox are embroiled in another series right out of the All-Star break against the Astros. Uh, briefly playing the Twins, who no doubt have to be at least more of a challenge by uh, July. Uh, oh, look, the Brewers, uh, okay, battling for first place. Uh, Royals, again, feisty, again, going to poison the White Sox, too, because that one is a, a is an away series. And Cleveland, more Cleveland, because we cannot get enough Cleveland. That's just July. We got some more A's coming in August. We got the Cubs stuff, and, you know, that's just absolute lunacy. How are you going to win all four games against the Cubs, whether or not they're stitching together eight pitchers that throw a no-hitter or whatever whatever their latest thing is. More Twins, the nonsense in Iowa, and then playing some Yankees. Uh, Rays! Oh, then the Rays. <laughs> we get to go to Tampa and play the Rays. Guys, we're going to talk in one of these next couple months, and, and, and I'm going to let you fully eat those words about, ah, the division's cake. And if they're up by two or three during this ridiculous, preposterous stretch that was handed to us into the All-Star break. Yeah, it's all right if they're just a couple games up on Cleveland. Who's Cleveland? Who cares about Cleveland? But hey, listen, you're right. Uh, if they're even just one up on Cleveland and they somehow just keep that one game lead through the end of the season, they're division winners. So I guess it doesn't really matter. I'm just a little, maybe by nature, maybe you guys just got the Indianapolis cool that I don't have. So am I strong? No, I'm a glass half empty all the time so it's not that <laughs> confident in these guys all right yeah, that's i just fair. need them to win next week when i'm actually there that's what matters the most to me right now i see yes okay so really you should have just said but i'm gonna pass on these answers really white Sox just win when i'm there you can be in second place just win when i'm there okay. please win on the first so that i 
don't have to go home angry and drunk. And you are well, okay, yeah, let's not have both. The uh and and they already didn't win on your birthday and Colleen's birthday, so <laughs> well, <laughs> you you you've got some work win to do. on my return to that part. <sighs> uh all right. Well, um do we have an in-game update? Uh, I know they were down three one when we started. Are they still down three one, guys? Still down three one. Carlos is out. Jose Ruiz is pitching. It is Seattle. Uh, yeah, they have a run around second with nobody out. At six. <laughs> yep. um, Minnesota tied the game back up. They're tied at six in the <laughs> sixth inning. All right. Um, cool. cool, cool. That is something. <laughs> yes, if as the rest of the division projects to basically be at least run differential wise, I think I think Cleveland projects at five hundred. So basically, if the entire division projects to below five hundred, I do think we're somewhat safe. I just yes, I just don't okay. want to uh, count too. Much. All right. Well, listen, I don't know if we solved anything. Uh, you guys and your calm, your indie calm is a good thing uh, because, of course, every podcast about the White Sox is probably uh, always hammered as too negative. Uh, and I mean, beyond the South Side Sox realm, because all White Sox fans are so negative. Right. Uh, and, and listen, let's have some perspective here. Obviously, this is a first place team. This team's playing really well, playing well in spite of the fact that they have like two major league hitters in their lineup and the rest are just guys that they they found at the bus stop. Um, and so, you know, that's something that ain't nothing and providing the white Sox starting rotation and, and bullpen, you know, which has been healthy, maybe not a super effective, but generally healthy, uh, can remain intact. Then th- uh, this whole podcast is trivial. And if in future years, you're just scanning the playlist, you can just skip a uh, number 48 because it just was stuff that gave you information. You just don't need because by that time, you know, they all were on the 2021 world series. And uh, Crystal O'Keefe managed to uh, get her involved in space in the scout seats and her job uh, running both all bottle opening and uh, yoga instruction. And you'll also know by that time, uh, Super Joseph repeated, he three-peated a Sox Mass Championship <laughs> and probably fell out of bed six or seven more times uh, in the second half of the season, just winning, sneezing and winning. So uh, you guys know all that stuff if you're listening in the future. So hello, uh, 2023, uh, Brett, uh, Crystal, and Joe, and uh, all the people who are, for some reason are producing the Southside Sox playlist to listen to uh, ages ago uh, podcasts. Welcome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the uh, sponsor message from the Indianapolis Chamber of Commerce. Uh, guys, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, this has been a weird one, but it's a weird time. We're starting a homestand that we should be crushing, and we've scored one run. Uh, but you and guys are calm and five. cool. What's that, Chris? It is now five to one, just an FYI. So I'm just going to shut my laptop down and go to bed. It is really a perfect time to wind up this podcast. Again, as always, thanks for reading, everybody. The staff is growing. We got we've got big news. You're already seeing some of the new writers. Uh, so pretty soon you're going to feel bad if you're not a Southside Sox writer. There's going to be more of us writing for Southside Sox than aren't. <laughs> so catch the wave. Hop on. There's room. <laughs> there's room on these podcasts. Look, there's space. It's, it's, it's not restricted to Indianapolis, no matter what the Chamber of Commerce says. They're making these demands when they're putting the ads in. Only, only Indy get. Uh-uh. We can have people from anywhere. Yeah, we can. It's not just Indianapolis, believe it or not. Even though we love to hear from Super Joseph and we love to hear from Cheryl, a.k.a. Crystal, a.k.a. Crystal, a.k.a. A. Crystal. Uh, thank you for your patience, Crystal O'Keefe. Thank you for your indulgence, Joseph Reese's. Uh, 
Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for making it through the Southside Sox podcast number 48.